0: Today it's the HCM insights podcast with Steve Bogner, me, and then Brandon Toombs and Becky Murray. Hi guys.
1: Hello. When do we When do we get our safari guy back?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. he's on safari, seeing some incredible things. It's just amazing.
1: I can't you believe you have you just a whole comments. podcast with with him uh, sharing yeah. his experiences out from out on the savannah. I'm not. This is not mm-hmm. a. Uh, uh we're not just making this up this is actually what he's doing right now for everybody everybody is, is listening yes. he's actually on the uh, Savannah um in a, a doing Safari for the uh, I don't know for a few weeks anyway uh we miss Sven can't wait to get him back
0: exactly well, I'm jealous I'd, I'd like to go on Safari but I have kids in college so <laughs> there you go. um yeah so we're going to talk about um success factors projects so you know, we've we've all been consulting a long time, and we've seen and participated on good projects and not so good projects, uh, ones we would call very successful and others not as successful. Um, none of ours have ended up in the news, which is good, um, but one of the things that um, we want to focus on is what can we do as consultants and customers and implementation people to um have a more effective or you know better outcomes on projects you know um, there's you know when you when you change your HR system there's it's a big disruptive change right and you try to not make it disruptive but so many things change and there's a lot of ways you can you can do this and if you sort of go at it haphazardly you'll get haphazard results and if you go at it with a more disciplined approach you get we think better results. So we want to talk in this podcast about, you know, some of our tips for people who are either thinking of an implementation or in the middle of an implementation. Here are some things you can do to to get better results. Um, and I, I like to say that, you know, a lot of these things as consultants that we recommend we've learned because we've made the mistakes, right, of not doing it in the past. Um, you know, as as consultants we do make mistakes and Good consultants learn from the mistakes and make it better next time. And, uh, hopefully we'll share that some of that wisdom here with you. So, um, Becky, I'll, I'll let you start. What are, what are some tips that you would give customers? Like early in the project, right? So, so, you know, you, you've, you've gotten your licenses. You're putting together a team. What are some of the 1st things um, that should happen to make an effective project?
2: Yep. One of the first things I like to do, Steve, is get everyone together and talk about the definition of success. You know, what we see as success for this engagement, because as you talk to different people, um, business users, shareholders, um, subject matter experts, IT, CFO, everyone's going to have a different definition of success. You know, the CFO wants to stay on budget. The project manager wants to stay on time. The business user wants to, you know, make sure they get the the data that they need. Um, So come together and hear everyone's definitions of success and then put together a mutual definition of success. Um, And that can always be kind of the, the guiding light. That's how you know what you're working towards and also when when you're done, when you've reached the end of the project, um, because otherwise things can just keep going indefinitely. But yeah, having that um, you know, cohesive and, and agreed upon definition of success is key. I mean, it just mm-hmm. gives everyone um, the opportunity to hear different perspectives, what other people are hoping to get out of the engagement, what they're hoping the system and solution will will provide to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that way we can all have, um, you know, that joint perspective in mind as we move forward. I, I think that's essential.
0: Yeah, a yeah that, that's a good point. I, I. I call that uh, starting with the end in mind. Yeah, you know, what do we want this to look like at the end? And then what are the things we need to do to get there? Um. And, you know, you had a good point about getting everyone together. Um, because what does everyone mean? Um, I mean, who are who is everyone? I think, um,
1: it, Very existential, I think pays, there, Steve.
0: Yeah, exactly. Who are we? What is everyone? <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's going to vary from one company to another. But I would say cast cast a wider net than you might think you need to do. Right? Um, involve people who you may not think have much to do with with HR and payroll, but maybe it's you know they're sort of on the periphery. Invite them in, get them in. It does a couple of things. 1, it makes sure that you're not missing some perspective or some sort of surprise. Right? We don't want surprises later, but it also builds awareness and some buy in to the project. Right, because uh, people know about it. They know about you. They know what's going on. And if you do have to come to them later and say, hey, you know, we've got an issue on our success factors project that sort of you know impacts you, this won't be the first time that they've heard of success factors. Um, and I think that casting a wider net than you might think you have to do um, will help build that awareness and that buy-in. Yeah. And I would extend that also to third parties that you work with. You know, if you're, um, if a light bandages your benefits, for example, you know pull them in because, um, you know, you might have the same interface to them, right? But you're going to have a different system, and they might have some tips for you on how to work with Employee Central, for example. Um, They have experience doing that. I know that they interface with a lot of Employee Central customers. Um, But bring in those third parties, too, maybe in a separate session from your internal people, but bring in those third parties um, because you'll need them later to schedule testing. Um, If you do have some issues, again, it's not the first time that they've heard of this effort. And, um. And and they can help you, right? They can, they can really help you um, with how to be successful. But also, you know, bringing them in earlier will help prevent some surprises like, you know, well, what do you mean you don't have a test system? We, we thought you had a test system. No, we test in production. Okay, so now you know that and you can plan for it. Those sorts of things happen. Brandon, do you have any tips you want to share? <coughs>
1: Uh, Yes, Steve. Um, So, uh, what I'm going to talk about really is kind of on the client side um, and is, um, you know, the clients, this is something that I'm seeing more and more as, uh, you know, as our labor forces gets uh, really stretched. Uh, But what I see so often now is uh, client teams that are just slammed and they are real, they're having a hard time keeping up with their day jobs. And yet now they are deciding to take on an implementation um which you know I, I'm, we're always happy for them to uh look to the next generation mm-hmm. of their of their solution but uh what they what i would say is that clients really need to uh take uh, carve out the time in order to be successful um this if you don't have time really to work um, uh, on this project and and devote the time necessary, uh, then, you know, I would question whether or not, you know, your commitment is enough to really uh, be successful. Um, I would mm-hmm. suggest that, you know, if you uh, really think about, okay, how can we backfill some of our keys, some of our key, uh, of our key uh, staff in order to allow them to work on a project. Um, I I understand that we can't, uh, you know, my 1 of my 1st big implementations, we, uh, actually, uh, uh, took everyone off site that was on the uh, on the project and completely uh, devoted ourselves for for a year to implementing that's that's not realistic anymore. And I understand that. Um, but, um, if you don't have the time, you're not going to be uh, as successful as as what you want. Um, you know, there's a, there's a few pieces to this number 1. You know if you want to be able to re-engineer your processes that takes time it not only takes time to really understand and, and come to the right conclusion but also socialize and you know talk to the different groups and be able to say you know we want to be able to streamline how we're doing things and you know uh, going to those people and say we're going to do things differently that takes uh, that takes some effort and takes some bandwidth and then you know looking at it more uh, from a from a, a technical standpoint you know you want to make sure that you have your technical resources configuration resources uh, resources, uh, having enough time to really participate uh, in the configuration activities. And, you know, I, middle uh, middle of the projects, I always want to try to get uh, my customers involved, the people that are going to be uh, supporting mm-hmm. the system later on, I want to get them involved in the process so that they understand um, and they can, you know, they learn by doing. I, at least I know I learn by doing. Um, it, but unfortunately, most of the time, this doesn't happen. And why does that not happen? Because they're too busy. They're working uh, mm-hmm. on too many things. They're, they're, uh, uh, working on their day job, plus maybe, you know, supporting some of the training and some of the, you know, uh, some of the specifications and the vendors and everything like that. And there just isn't enough time. Uh, make sure that you have the 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 resources because, you know, what you want to, in addition to just, you know, getting to the end objective of having that uh, system that you talked about, that you want to be successful, you want day one in your system. When you go live, you, that should be your worst day in the system. And by that, what I mean is that you should be able Able to get better after that, it, you know. If you've got the team in place that understands the system, then you're going to be able to mold it over time. And instead of, uh, of hey, remember right after the implementation when everything was working great and we, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, things were going smoothly and you know how things have gone downhill from there. If you have the team in place that understands the system, understands what you're trying to accomplish, then you'll be able to, uh, you know, adjust the system over time yourself and and um, you know, really have something that 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 can grow along with you yeah
0: you know I'd like to um um, I like to see resource calendars yeah you you should be able to go to your implementation partner and say what are the different roles I'm going to need for this project and what's the resource calendar look like Um, and then use that resource calendar to proactively backfill positions before you start the project and I I, and you're right headcount is tight um but you know you can only get so much out of people Uh, before they burn out or they leave, or they become, they start making mistakes too. Right? I mean, I've seen that people get stressed out that they're tired. They're missing things, making mistakes and that impacts the project too. So, I mean, proactively backfilling uh, prior to your implementation is, is a great tip and and ask, ask for that resource calendar. I think most implementation partners will have that.
2: Yep. And even just honestly, Steve. Putting it on an actual calendar, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, here's yeah. when we do benefits, open enrollment. So we'll probably be really busy at that time. You know, here's when we're mm-hmm. doing um, end of year tax forms. So we'll probably be a little busy at this time. You know, what are your normal business peak periods, you know, and map those out and just know, okay, during the project, when this time period happens, our resources mm-hmm. might be stretched really thin doing other things. Um, right. so do we keep it light during that time or to your point, do we find people to backfill on some of those key activities
0: for sure? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Brandon, I, I kind of, uh. Smirked a little bit when you said the worst day is the 1st day of go life. Um, I've always said for payroll, it's the 2nd payroll. Yeah, um, because we have retro calculations, yeah. and we've had data entry mistakes now that are corrected and so we have payroll impacts. Yes, yeah, that 2nd payroll is the killer. Um. And then it's the first year end when you do year-end W2s, T4s, and etc. It's always a surprise. Um, so, I think uh, one of the things that um, I like to also say, you know, maybe for more of a, of a payroll perspective, is to, to focus on putting in a good foundation. Um, payroll is one of those things that once you put it in place, it's kind of hard to change. It can, it can change. But because of all the payroll history and the payroll retro calculation, and things like that, it, it's tricky, right? So you want to put in a good foundation and, you know, avoid things like hard coding in your payroll calculation. Um, globalize your, your features and schemas, which is uh, something some people don't do. I, I looked at one customer system and it looked like they had um, at least three different um, companies in there doing – They're different things with different naming schemes and different ways of doing things. And it was just a complete mess. Um, and it was, it was, it was just really. Um, messy then if you need to change anything. So, particularly, if you're going to go global, um, you want to put in a good foundation and talk about what do we do. Globally, so, um, you know, it gets kind of arcane, right? When you talk about naming standards and namespaces and things like that and who's going to do what you know uh, but you know if you have you know teams in the in North America Europe and Asia and Latin America which is you know not uncommon these days in some big companies um, you want to make sure that all those teams are going in the same direction and and there's no confusion and again um, a good implementation partner should be able to help you get started on that but it's something that if if they don't bring up, Definitely,
1: I would ask for Steve, have we ever done a, a, a global templating. Uh, podcast, because that's, <laughs> I, I would think totally so. have done done 1, but man, that would be a great uh, 1 to just talk about global implementations. And how do you decide, um, yeah. you know, what, you know, what's common, what's shared, what, what can be unique and and, uh. Uh, localized that that would be really uh, kind of a fun one because I'm sure that we all have yeah. all three have a, a lot of experiences or all four when you start uh, bringing yeah. s- Sven back into the
0: yeah. mix. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I could geek out on that one for a long time. <laughs>
1: Uh, <laughs> a four hour podcast. <laughs> yeah. Can you get can you get any kind of uh stats on who makes it to the end and, and like send them some sort of gift? <laughs>
0: right. Yeah, they're actually we do have some stats on how many people what percentage of listeners make it to the end. That's so funny. It's not a hundred
1: asleep and left it on. <laughs>
2: You know, one of the other things I like to tell my customers um, when we're getting started with a project is that not everything needs to be 100% firm and finalized right at the start. That when you go through the iterative cycle, you're going to learn more about how the system is responding, how the processes actually work. Um, So give yourself a little bit of leeway to kind of. Try things a little bit different at 1st, you know, if you're telling me again, Steve, mm-hmm. to your point, what that end result needs to be, if, if I can get you there in 2 or 3 steps instead of 5 and the end results the same. You know, can we try this, mm-hmm. this shorter abbreviated way of going about it? Um, and then, you know, try those things, you know, try to to. Work with the simple, if you, if you can try to keep things yeah. basic especially now that you may be opening up self services for employees and managers, you know, do you really want some of the complexities that maybe you've had in the past? Mm-hmm. Um, and do we absolutely right. need them with with systems like success factors that are more, that allow for more transparency and more reporting? Do we need things to be over cumbersome, um, you know, and, and overburden the users? Uh, I always try to tell people to keep things simple. We can always come back later and make them more complex. <laughs>
0: <laughs> good point good point you know um another thing that i, I like to do and um uh, i've been fairly successful with most of my clients doing this when when i'm able to get in at the beginning of an implementation um a lot of customers i come like in either after the fact to clean things up or in the middle to um get things back on like that but you know when i can when i can be there from the beginning what i like to do is to tell them that um I want to mentor their internal people to do what I do. Um, you know, so in payroll, it's schemas and rules, right? It's the payroll calculation. It's all these tables. And it's it's complex. Um, but what I like to do is to start off mentoring the internal people to do the same thing so that they understand it. I mean, you can take a training course on it. There's like training courses, right? But um, honestly, the training course is sort of like, you know, here's a card. It's like here's what it does but you don't get in to drive it during the training course, right? So what I do is I help people learn how to drive it. And it slows me down in the beginning. I can't move as fast, right? Because I've, I've done this for so long, I just know what to do. But knowing what to do and, and then explaining it to someone else and educating them takes more time, but it pays dividends about halfway through the project Because about halfway through the project, they start to become more self sufficient and can do the simple things on their own. By the end of the project, they're able to do. 80 90% of what needs to be done on their own. So, instead of having 1 Steve on your project, you have 2 steves or 3 steves or whatever it is. And then when we get to the end of the project, I can just sort of fade away, right? Because the internal people know what to do. They're doing it. I'm not needed anymore to me. That's the dream situation. Um, just to fade into the background and let the client run with it um, again it takes um it takes planning right and this comes back to i think what we started talking about uh, early on when Brandon said you, you need to backfill well you, you might need to backfill some of your i.t people also to take them um, away from the current work to put them on a the new work so that they can learn it and start doing it
1: that's that's a really good point, Steve, and I, I, I'd be curious because probably both of you um, know more about this than I do, but it, it, the, the one push and pull, the challenge that I, I can see from an implementation partner uh, standpoint is, uh, you know, when you're going through the implementation, how do you, uh, you know, because there, there needs to be some sort of accountability to making sure that the uh, implementation goes well. Um, and and it probably is just as simple as saying that, you know, ultimately the, the end results of the configuration, even though you're doing the configuration, um, we, as an implementation partner are responsible. We're going to look everything over and confirm that everything looks okay um you know but just making those expectations clear because i you know i've worked with some implementation partners where they're like okay no you we're not letting the customer touch the system during the implementation and that to me it's a huge wasted opportunity when you go that route because uh you know again um you know trying to be successful tips for being successful i think we want to make sure that it's their system by the time we're done i I, and i steve kind of to echo your point i always say that when i if i'm uh, my, I, my goal is that, at, you know, after go live during hyper care, I've just got my feet up and I'm just watching and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, like a proud pop, if you will, you know, just seeing everything, uh, you know, humming along. But, you know, like I said, that doesn't always uh, uh, happen because of, and and really honestly, most often it's because of bandwidth uh, limitations on the client side. I would love to get them more involved earlier on, but it's, it's a big challenge.
0: Comes back to the backfilling resources, right? Being being realistic about the resource requirements is a big deal. All
1: right, I got. I've got one more, um, and this one's, this one's uh, pretty standard. And I'm guessing that you probably w- could guess what else I'm going to be talking about, and that is change management. Um, mm-hmm. Don't scrimp on change management. Don't. Uh, that's usually the first thing that drops from the budget. Um, mm-hmm. uh, for customers, like, okay, we're trying to economize here. What, what do we need to get rid of? Oh, we've got this. We're, we're paying for someone to come in and tell us how to um you know make sure that everyone is ready to accept this change that sounds really uh fluffy we we can get rid of that um and i'm t- i'm here to tell you that uh there's usually a pretty solid roi to your change management processes because it it, it you know you can look it back at a project and sometimes you can have just the best uh, overall implementation, but even with that, it may not it, it may not be accepted and, and adapt you know adopted by the organization because uh, you know you haven't done the work uh, to manage your stakeholders, get them on board, uh, you know how you know communicate out what's happening, uh, what's changing, getting everyone um, ready for uh, what's coming, and you know if you don't spend the time doing that. Um, it's it's amazing how things that you know you, uh, otherwise w- you know uh, the the system uh, the the company would just be able to roll with uh, what's going on in the system the least little thing because of lack of change management can cause the system to just um, not be accepted mm-hmm. and and uh, be seen as a failure.
2: Yeah, like why spend the money to put in a new system if no one's going to use it anyways? <laughs> if they're not using it, then you know. Your reports are not going to be accurate. All those types of things yeah. that you're counting on. Um, you know, the other thing to kind of tag along with that, Brandon, is it really drives me crazy when we wait to the end, last minute to do change management. Like, oh, we're yeah. going live in two weeks. Better work on <laughs> change management. <laughs> um, you know, trying to cram everything in at the end. It's just. You know, there's so much stuff that happens at the end of a project before go live. You don't want change management, something that you could have been working on throughout the life of the, this implementation project. You don't want that to be have to be 1 of the things.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. You know, a lot of what, I mean, Brandon, you you brought it up and Becky did too. A lot of these issues. Start with uh, bad or unrealistic budgeting for your project. Yeah. Right, so um, this is, and this is 1 of the things, and I think we've talked about it since the dawn of time, but, um, you know, you put a project out in a competitive bid process. And partners are are sort of implicitly encouraged to have the lowest price, right? Because price is often 1 of the big. Factors in getting a proposal accepted. So, you know, partners come in with a low price, maybe. Intentionally, maybe not intentionally, um, some partners make it up on change orders. Right? And that's always, uh, you know, it's never a good process really. I mean, change orders happen, but uh, it shouldn't happen a lot. But, um, you know, we talked about backfilling resources, which requires money change management, which requires money, putting in a good foundation, which takes some time and money. A lot of these things take money. Right? And so um one of the things you have to do is to properly fund the project you know to get what you're really wanting to get um you know becky you started off by saying you know defining what is success and i called it starting with the end in mind so if you say well this is where i want to go what do i need to do to get there and what how much money does that cost right because the money at the partner for your implementation is going to cost X, but you have a lot of internal cost also, in backfilling, in maybe um, changing some other third parties or changing internal processes, or whatever. You know, you have a lot of internal spend too, that may not be a cash outlay, but it's internal budgets that you have to manage. Um, so starting out with a you know with a good realistic um, plan and a budget to get there. Um, can solve a lot of these problems really can money can solve a lot of problems right
2: <laughs> well planning can solve a lot of problems you know
1: <laughs> and yeah. i think that you can to kind of turn this around to a way that the bean counters um you know and because you do need to uh, demonstrate an roi for any time you're spending uh, the money f- uh, for an organization uh, I think that doing these extra things that we're talking about, you know, making sure that you backfill, um, making sure that you uh, spend the time and money on change management, those incremental uh, spends, as well as the extra time, and and I think some of this, you know, you, you were talking about it, you know, from a money standpoint, but also just the time. So many times these these uh, RFPs, you know, it's like, it, let's well, let's see if we can cram a whole implementation in three months. I, and I, from an EC yeah. standpoint, that is just insane to try to do something like that. Um, the, what you want to do is, you know, that extra spend that you're going to have um, is going to be worth your time and your money. And you're going to get a better ROI over time to have a good implementation that uh, the the business is ready to support. That's going to be, you know, you're going to get a lot more business value and and, uh, financial Mm -hmm. value out of that, as opposed to just kind of jamming it in and then Guess what by the way a lot of times doing things the wrong way ends up being more expensive in in the in the long term than doing it the right way in the first place
0: and that's just yeah i was just going to bring that up brandon there's a cost if you don't do it right there's a cost of failure right so if we if we if you don't fund your project if you well if you don't do things well and you fail partially or or completely there's a cost to that or if you don't meet your expectations there's a cost to that so That's something that I always consider people to look at is, okay, so it's going to cost $50,000 to backfill. A payroll manager for a period of time. Okay. Well, what's the cost if. Your current payroll manager um, can't. Stretch enough to meet the requirements of the project and gives incomplete or bad requirements. Doesn't do complete testing because there's just not enough time. Or that they run so ragged that they leave the company, and then you've got to find someone else. You know, what's the cost of failure? What's the cost of not doing some of these things? Because um, honestly, I mean, it's for HR and payroll projects, the trying to get a firm ROI is, is near, probably nearly impossible. And I'm not sure yeah. that that's, always, that's not always the best reason to, to do it anyway. I mean, you want to focus on the benefits of employee experience and employee engagement. And, uh, you know, those are the things that move the needle for HR systems,
1: I think. Yeah, and I do think that we're, we're on the precipice of being able to provide more analytics around, um, you know, showing some benefit from the endeavors that uh, HR embarks upon uh i think that, that you know that's a probably a topic for another day but you know as we get more data points in the system that we can rely on i think um you know executives are starting to see that you know hr does uh, add value and so by extension some of the uh, technology that hr needs to rely upon uh can add significant value because if anything you're doing to mm-hmm. even move the needle a little bit with your employee productivity um, you know, people are starting to pay real close attention to that. So, you know, hopefully over time, we'll be able to those ROI cases will be a lot easier. I mean, because I don't, I don't know anyone that, you know, 10 years on said, gee, I, you know, what, I really wish we wouldn't have done that that HR implementation that uh, that HR system implementation, it, you know, self evident, um, you know, after mm-hmm. the fact that that was something that absolutely needed to be done, you know, the, uh, systems getting long in the tooth, not not supportable um and you know you're you're just not ready for the times uh I think that you know it's certainly something we know after the fact but I think that there is going to be analytics to back that up soon
0: agreed agreed well these have been I think some some good perspectives and good good information for listeners to consider um you know if we left something out dear listeners let us know if you disagree let us know that too um you know we're always open to learn things and and have you know good positive discussions on this this is what this is what we do we could uh talk about this for a long time but I think we'll cut it here and uh thank the listeners and you know um we'll see you in a couple weeks with a new one